belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for January 15th, 2023 is called, What Does the Water Say? The speaker is John Ray, and the location is Clap Auditorium, Mount Sequoia, in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is John Ray. Who knows what this is? It's a paddle, but what kind of paddle is it? What it Eli, is this like three times as tall as you are? Who said that? Yes, it is a stand-up paddleboard paddle. Um, <clears throat> this has become my favorite way to navigate the rivers here in the Ozark. I, I grew up canoeing. I've tried kayaking. I like rafting. And I like all of those things for different kinds of water. But for the water that we have here on the Buffalo, on the Kings, on the Mulberry, I have found that stand-up paddleboard is the way to go. I just love it. And one of the main reasons is perspective. So I like to fish as well when I'm paddling. And when you're standing up on the board, it gives you a much better perspective down into the water. So you can sight cast. Those of you who are fishermen, it, it it's really helps with sight casting with that. The other thing about it is it gives you a better perspective on the banks because when you're down at water level, oftentimes the bank is obscured with reeds, uh, with foliage, with on the water, gives you better perspective below you, around you, and in front of you. Now this morning, the, the scripture that we read, that Alex read, is about the baptism of Jesus. And if you have been at Grace Church um, for any length of time, you know that we love to talk about baptism, and we love to talk in particular about the fermentation process. Um, If you haven't been to church here before, you may say, what in the world does fermentation have to do with baptism? Um, And I would strongly encourage you to go listen to the sermon that um, our own Dr. Jennifer Acuff, who is an expert in this field, Uh, did on this and talked about how um, fermentation changes things. And when we look at the Greek, we see that the word baptizo is the same word for pickling. In the Greek, when they talk about the baptism that takes place, it is this exact same word that they use for pickling something with that. So, um, I know that this would have some alcoholic reference to some people, but it's almost like we're pickled in Jesus um, when we become baptized with that. And we, and we love to talk about that, but that's not what I'm going to talk about this morning. Okay, that's a great thing. That I love it. I could talk about it all day. We used to have a jar of pickles that we sat out here just to remind, remind us of our baptism uh, on the communion table. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at it a little bit different way this morning. And so as Alex related, we... We heard the scripture that was dealing with John's announcement of Jesus and of his experience of baptizing Jesus and the experience of the Holy Spirit coming down on Jesus in the water. And as we are in this season of epiphany, this this season of unveiling or revealing or showing us things, 
we want to ask the question, what does the baptism of Jesus reveal? What, is it, what does it give us an epiphany of about Jesus with that? Because there's a lot of description that John uses here in that. And specifically, it talks about, it talks about revealing that Jesus is the Word somehow made into a human. Now, we're, if you grew up in an evangelical culture like I did, we're used to thinking of the Word as the Bible. There's a direct equivalency. Word, when we say, hey, are you in the Word? Have you studied the Word? Have you read the Word? Automatically, evangelical upbringing, you think Bible. We have to be careful here because that's not what's happening. The, the, the scripture is not, the Bible is not saying that, G, that the Bible became Jesus here. So we have to discipline ourselves to understand that's not what's being said. And one of the things that this keeps us from is bibliodolatry. We often joke that, in, in, again, in our current modern culture, that we have, we have a Trinitarian faith, the Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. And that we have elevated our translations of the Bible to co-equivalent with the Holy Spirit or with God. And it's very easy to fall into that, especially when we read a scripture like this and we're ingrained, we're, we're conditioned to think of the word as the Bible. That's not what's being said here. And we'll talk a little bit about this as we go on. Um, it also gives us the revelation that God is coming to us. And this is incredibly important. The, the $6 seminary word is our soteriology. Um, the, the study of what it means to be saved or how a person is saved. We have, again, we've, we've kind of been habituated to this idea that, that we are seeking after God. That as a people, we are constantly, like, <clears throat> we feel this God-shaped hole and we're going out and looking for this god this something to fill this God-shaped hole. And I understand those analogies, and they have, a, they have a usefulness to a degree, but it obscures the fact that it is always and ever God coming after us. That my faith is not that I'm going to seek God. My faith is not, and my confidence is not in the fact that somehow I'm going to overcome obstacles and find God somewhere. My faith and my confidence is always that God is relentlessly after me. That even when I run away from God, God is, is pursuing me. Even when I am dull or obstinate or aggressively against God, God is coming towards me. And that's what we see here in this passage reflected. We also see this idea that glory is revealed. Now, glory is a churchy word, right? We, we, we think of, you know, the glory of catching the, the winning touchdown pass or, you know, the glory of, of achieving something great. And that's a different kind of glory. I love, I love the thought of it. The, the Hebrew word is havod, which literally just means weight. Glory is equivalent to a weight that you feel. And, and we see this revealed that when Jesus came, it was like the import, the importance, the magnitude, the weight of God being revealed came to us. 
rituals. So this is another revelation we see or another epiphany we have. We also see the epiphany that it says, John says, Jesus was full of grace and truth. And he puts it in the context specifically of he, he prefaces it by saying the law was given through Moses. But in Jesus, we have received grace and truth. So what is what is the epiphany here? And I think it it may have something to do with the idea of wholeness, of completeness. We understand through later teachings and understanding that, you know, the law was given primarily not as a way of salvation, um, but as a but as a teacher. As a way of teaching us things, of preparing us for something. And then we see that Jesus comes and in a way completes that teaching, fulfills the teaching. That grace and truth work in conjunction with the law to bring the wholeness that we can understand it with that. So the epiphany of Jesus coming brings grace and truth. We also see that Jesus is going to come and he is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. That baptism is, was practiced before, water baptism was practiced before Jesus came, was practiced obviously while Jesus was there. We continue to practice it as a sign of something that is happening though. No longer is baptism, we understand as baptism as the thing that is doing it. We understand it as symbolic of something greater that is happening. That Jesus is baptizing us with the Spirit. Collectively, individually, together, we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. We are baptized in a way that transcends mere physical washing with water. We continue to practice that as symbolic of that with that. So this is another epiphany we have. And then finally, this, this epiphany of Jesus, and, and this is not exhaustive, but for here this morning, the, one, the final one I want to bring out about what is revealed in this, the epiphany we have, is that Jesus is the chosen one. It's very clear. This is why we sing songs to Jesus. This is why we are centered in Jesus. This is why we center our existence, our revelation, our obedience in the person of Jesus. Is because Jesus is the chosen one. We live in a society that, that um, idolizes choice. Whether that is cereal or deodorant, or career, or whatever, it's all about choice, right? And here we see a choice has been made. Now we have a, a responsive, we have the ability to responsively to choose or deny that, but the choice of who is the chosen one has been made. And that chosen one is Jesus. So these are incredible things during the season of Epiphany, and, and at any season truly, that is revealed to us about Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. Our baptism also reveals things about us. And this is where I want to get back to the analogy of the paddleboard. Now, this is not a perfect metaphor or analogy, okay? It will break down at a point. So I understand that. Whether it's good or bad, y'all be the judge of it. But I think baptism, in a way, has a way of elevating us up. Of giving us perspective. When I baptize, or whenever we baptize someone, we, we, we say the words 
buried with Christ in the likeness of his death, and you're under the water, raised again to walk in newness of life. Now, there are different words that are said at different baptisms, but this is a common one to say. And in a way, I think what baptism does in that raising to life, it is, it is definitely primarily the metaphor of coming from death to life, but I think it's also positional, which we're going to see here in a minute. That it, our baptism raises us up to put us in a place where we see differently. It gives us a different viewpoint. It gives us a different place to orient from. Instead of being like down at the water level, just having to respond to things that we don't necessarily can see, it puts us up on top. It gives us a view, and we can more clearly see now what is below us, or maybe even behind us, where we come from in a way. What is around us, where we are currently, and also what is ahead of us. Is it baptism orients us. Baptism gives us an ability to see differently with this. And so this is, this is something um, primarily that we experience by this term being, um, being identified with Christ. Because if we are identifying with Christ, Christ, then we, we, in a way we gain Christ's perspective. We gain the perspective that Jesus has with this. Now, Paul wrestled with these words later on. And uh, specifically, Alex brought this to mind um, during this week as we were talking about this. When he writes to the church in Corinth, specifically in, the, in 2 Corinthians, um, he writes these words. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. Since we have concluded this, that Christ died for all, therefore, having, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised. So then from now on, we acknowledge no one from an outward human point of view. Perspective, point of view, perspective. Baptism allows us to see not just Jesus, not just ourselves, but other people as they truly are. Y'all, this is staggering. It, it changes literally the way we estimate other people the way we value them, the way we consider them. And that's, that's the basis of how we relate to them with that. And he goes on, he goes on to say this. Um, so, so then from now on, we acknowledge no one from an outward human point of view. Even though we have known Christ from such a human point of view, we do not know him in that way any longer. He's elevated, he has ascended. So then if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Look, what is new is come. Our baptism reveals our newness. The, the old has passed away. The things that condemned us or held us back, the things that we struggled with, the things that we felt shame for, the things that we... Uh, regretted the the loss, the hurt that we did, and the hurt that was done to us. It's passed away. 
There is an ontological truth. The very truth of our being is revealed in the baptism that we are made new in Christ. That there is hope for everyone in Christ. He said, and all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And that's, that's the last thing here. Is that not only does it reveal who we are, but it reveals what we are to be about. What's our job? Our job is to be these ministers of reconciliation, these ambassadors for Christ is another word that they use. Is that we are, we are here to demonstrate what that means. We are here to invite people to be reconciled, to understand the reconciliation that is available, to understand all these truths that we already talked about Jesus. And if that's true, then this is true. There is hope. There is beauty. There is love to be found. Now, that brings us back to this idea of the Word. I talked about how the Word is not the Bible. Even though it's okay if you still call it the Word of God, I'm not, I'm not telling you not to do that. But I want us to be really disciplined to think that when, when Word here is when it says the Word became flesh, that is not the Bible that became flesh. That's something else. Well, what is that thing? What is that thing? What is the Word of God here? And I want to offer this to you this morning is that I think that word is this ongoing story of God. It is the ongoing involvement of God with people in history. The specific intentional entering of God into history and creating and telling a story. Originally, it was the story of creation, the story of Adam and Eve, the story of how the world was created. And all things. And then it became centered in the story of Abraham and Abraham's seed, Abraham's people, the people of Israel. This was a this is more than just history, it's a story. Their interaction with God is a story that God is telling through people. And then that story became embodied in the person of Jesus. That story of God, creation, Israel, everything became literally um incarnate, embodied in the person of Jesus. And Jesus' whole life was the story of creation and Israel and redemption and everything to come. He embodied history itself. Jesus, it, his life told the story of people and meaning of why we can suffer and yet hope, why we can celebrate without shame, what it means to be human, what it means to be alive, and what it means to hope for life after death. Jesus told that story, that word. He lived it. And y'all, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. This is where it gets really crazy. Is now... We're telling that story. Now our lives are telling that story. This church 
is telling that story. We're not preaching a philosophy or a theology, a plan of salvation, or some best life now program. We're, we're, we're bearing witness, we're living out these, this truth of God. Haltingly, yes, insufficiently, obviously, but that's what we're doing. We are living this story out so that others might live into this story as well with them. Now it's going to get real. There's going to be specific stuff as we go next week. As we Again, as we were preparing, Betty made the comment that next week when we look at the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, I mean, that's where the rubber hits the road. Like, like we go really quick into some very specifics of what does it mean to live that story? How do we encounter specifically temptations and the things that happen? We're going to talk about that next week. But right now, I want us to, I want us to feel ourselves standing up. I want us to remember our baptism and, and let it tell us, let us give it an epiphany about who Jesus is and who we are who you are individually and who we are as a church. Let that inform us today. I also want to invite you to the table. Uh, this is a time where we transition and we, we worship more and, and we take communion together. Um, if you'll take it this morning and hold on to the elements and then we'll come up and we'll take it all together. It's also a time where we give our offering. Our offering box is there. If you want to give online, that's great. But we give our offering a sign of worship. That all of us here have something to give. Something. And none of us here is without need. So we share with one another because we are one body. with that. And so we give our offering. And it's also a time to reflect. We, we talk about this a lot. We, you know, there's a full slate of football games and chores to be done and the weather's nice and you may want to start on your garden and all kinds of different stuff that needs to be done. And it's very quick to lose this perspective. So if you need to write something down, if you need to commit to something, do that during this time. Take out your phone, make a note, whatever you have to do. But don't let the moment slip with that. Um, in baptism, we are reminded that we belong to Christ. We're given this perspective. At, in the Lord's Supper here, we are reminded that we feast with Christ. That Christ sets the table and serves. And all are welcome here at Grace Church. So again, I invite you to come up to hold the elements. We'll take them all together and, uh, and see what this new perspective brings you. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchnwa.org. Grace and peace.